as TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi everyone, and welcome, as we serve you a slice of another episode of Across the Airwaves, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the television industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me, not to be confused with the real authentic Nico, is my co-host, the just plain real Hey everybody, it's the original Nico. Yes. On this week's episode, we only have a review of Castle and Bones, because of Fringe, Smallville, and Supernatural being on hiatus until next week, and unfortunately last week I misled you and told you that Chuck would be back, but wasn't. So we don't have that one tonight either. I'm the culprit on that one. I misinformed. That's okay, because I thought there was Chuck last week too. Okay, alright, well then we're, we're even that I guess. Yeah. So, we uh, do have TV news, though. We do indeed. Keanu Reeves recently updated everyone on the new Bill and Ted movie and says that a script is nearly finished. Oh, Keanu Reeves God. is still quite keen on reuniting with his partner in crime, Alex Winter, and getting a new Bill and Ted movie made. He's been dropping various details over the last year, and latest tidbit, the actor even went so far as to hint about the plot. Get the whole story on our Facebook page. What is it, Bill and Ted go to heaven now? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Bill and Ted's awesome journey? Yeah, exactly. The new Superman movie has cast Michael Shannon as the new General Zod in the Superman Man of Steel. With the confirmation of Shannon for the role of Zod, it also has become aware that Zod will be the official villain of this uh, reboot film. And he'll have to take on Henry Cavill as Superman, obviously. And because it's going to be Zod versus Superman, we're going to get probably a very action-packed film, which the last one was kind of lacking. So that's going to be a good thing. And, of course, we have a better director for this one. So I'm looking forward to this. More and more I hear about this movie, I'm getting more excited. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I do want some Lex Luthor in the movie, though. Of course. Of course. Uh, that would be, be great. Yeah. All right. Green Lantern debuted another brand new trailer at WonderCon this week, and we've included a link on our Facebook page to the trailer on G4's page. Nice. So check that out. Rumors that recently pinned Javier Barden for the coveted role of gunslinger Roland Deschamps in the upcoming live-action version of the Dark Tower series are no longer just rumors. Stephen King novels will be coming to life this fall when the film is scheduled to begin filming. So those the rumors that Javier Barden was going to be the star are true. They have been confirmed, and a deal is in the works. Uh, they agreed in principle. Now they just got to work with the minor details and scheduling. Nice. I've read the comic book yes. series. It's very good. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm hoping to get to the novel series eventually in the next year or two before the film comes out and then go back and read the prequel comic book series because the novels are, are supposed to be Stephen King's greatest works. So I'm really interested to read those. Uh, and I think there's six novels and then the comic book, do, uh, which is a prequel. So that's exciting. Yes. And it's exciting they're going to do this movie too. Yes. This last weekend brought us an interesting, if not critical, bit of casting news for The Dark Knight Rises. Actor Josh Pence has been added to the cast for a role that may have opened the floodgates on what the film's plot actually is going to be. In the interest of not spoiling anything, if you're interested in learning more, please read the entire G4 article on our Facebook page. I don't want to spoil anything here, so I'll just mention that Josh Pence was cast and i won't say in what role so that means don't be dumb and click the link in our acc feed right now 
for the Dark Knight because that will take you directly to the GeForce site. So don't click that if you don't want to be spoiled. It's not a huge spoiler, but just in case you don't want to know anything about it going in, don't go to the link. Right. Now, our final piece of news for tonight, Dan and I will go more in-depth over the summer in a special episode on what new shows we will be checking out next season. But until then, you can read an article about the 10 most promising pilots for the fall 2011, and I've included a link to that article on our Facebook page. Dare I ask, is Wonder Woman on that list? Wonder Woman is on the list. Wow. Okay. Because of who's in the uh, series is a reason why this author chose that as one of the ones to actually check out next season. Okay. I know there's been a lot of negative hype because the costume was wrong the first time they put it out and then people didn't like there were minor things but for you know the the fanboys they were not happy that the colors were wrong that it looked very plasticky and not realistic so there was a lot of issue but when the first episode was being shot they posted some new pictures with fixed costume wardrobe and uh, people were a little bit more happy about that one. I know it, it's going to be very hit or miss with that series, but it is included in that list, and they include one major miss for next season. And uh, surprise, surprise, it's an NBC show as well. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's worth the read just to get an idea of what's coming down the pipe for next year. I enjoyed looking through, and and the author gives a little tidbit about each show and why he's interested in looking it over. So, Very nice. Worth a read. Very nice. So is that all we got for TV news this week? That's all I got for this week. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a bit of ATA news, which is kind of exciting. Basically, what we've got coming up is another live show. that you can visit our website to check out all the information about it. But we're calling it the Superman Live Show. Again, what this live show is, is it's going to be a review, a live show review, of the Smallville series finale. And everything that happens in that episode. But with doing that, this episode, essentially the Smallville finale, is the birth of a new Superman that we've waited for 10 years to emerge. But with his emergence, I feel like we can't celebrate the birth of the Tom Welling Superman without paying respect to what came before and what came in the future. So what we're going to do is we're going to combine our review with the Smallville series finale. We're going to combine that with almost an event dedicated to Superman, which would be very similar to what we did for Chloe Fest. And with that, we're not only asking for your memories of Smallville and the character of Clark Kent on that show. But we're also asking for your memories of Superman as well to really make this event work. And how we're going to do this or make this possible is I need you guys, and this is going to be on you guys to help us out and make this happen. We need you to answer these questions through our Twitter, Facebook, YouTube channel, email, or voicemail. Basically, the questions you need to answer is, what is your favorite memory from watching Clark Kent on the TV show Smallville? What is your favorite memory of the character of Superman? And this is something that can come from anywhere, such as comics, the George Reeves Superman, Christopher Reeves Superman movies, the mini animated versions of Superman, Lois and Clark, Superman Returns, or something more obscure like buying your first Superman action figure. So just any memory of Superman that you have. And the last question is, this is, I hope this is an easy one for some of you. Again, I may get paragraphs on this. But how has the character of Superman inspired you personally? Or if this is easier, you can let me know why you love the character of Superman. And if you do those things, we're planning on for sure either reading them or playing them on air if it's a voicemail. So we got a lot of great support through Chloe Fest for this type of thing. And we really wanted again for our Superman Fest or the Superman Live show. So check that out. It's going to be all about Superman as well as the Smallville series finale. We're going to get everybody getting a chance to say what they want about it. Then we're also going to be joined by big-time Starkville House of L supporter as well as the host of the Young Justice podcast, 
Alisa Lee, she's going to join us to talk about everything. So I know she was a big part of all of our chats, but now she's actually going to be on the show joining Michael and I, and hopefully Nico, knock on wood with that. He's got some finals coming up. We're all going to get together. We're going to talk about this great finale. And again, it's going to take place one week after the series finale. Just that way, Michael and Nico and I are going to get an opportunity to enjoy the series finale without having to run around like a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off. So we want to sit and enjoy that finale and then do all the work for the live show the following week. So hopefully you guys will still be in the Smallville and are going to have enough withdrawal that you're going to want to join us on May 20th. And again, just to not confuse everybody, we're going to have the event take place at the same time all of our other live shows, which will be Friday, May 20th at 9.15, 8.15 Central. And again, for more information on this, just visit our webpage and expect to see more on it in the future. So definitely check this out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully we can make the Smallville series finale memorable. So I appreciate it if you guys can help us out. So with that, we're going to move on to our discussion about this week's episode of Castle. When a reporter is found dead inside a restaurant's pizza oven, Beckett and Castle go to work on solving the case. They must figure out if his story, The Pizza Wars, is what got him killed, or if there's something more to the story. This week's Castle, unlike the previous episode, seemed to better capture the style, feel, and humor of this show that makes it a breath of fresh air for the police procedural genre. And this was made possible by the writers of this episode having some fun with a bunch of stereotypical Italian rival pizza owners who all happen to have restaurants a block away from each other being suspects in the murder of a washed-out reporter. Plus, on top of that, the reporter's body being found in a pizza oven led to all sorts of zingers from all of the main characters, with even the captain getting a chance to chip in with a great one-liner. I hear right you found a body in the oven at Terrific Nicks. Authentic Nicks. Authentic Nicks? Oh, thank God, the wife loves Terrific Nicks. I didn't have the heart to tell her it now came in full-bodied flavor. I liked it. I liked it. In my opinion, with the pizza jokes, it did get a little confusing with all of the pizza owners having a variation of the name Nick, like a certain co-host I know, such as Real Nick, Authentic Nick, Really Authentic Nick, and etc. But that's kind of how it is when it comes to pizzerias in New York City. So I can't knock the writers for making a joke out of something that actually exists. I'm sorry, Mr. Carbone. You think that you know who did this? Yeah, sure. I bet it was that jackal. Terrific Authentic Nick? Sal Malavolta. Used to work for us years ago before opening his own lousy pizza shop right across the street. Stole my friggin' recipes. It's Sal that done this, along with the other two. The other two? Yeah, that vulture there. Terrific Nick? Vinny Delfino. And the other dirtbag there. And authentic Terrific Nick. Luca Sabellini. All three of them. They're thieves. They live off our name. And they're not even real Nicks. I'm the only real Nick. And your real name is Ralph. Exactly. However, unlike the previous episodes of Castle that have had a theme, like magic or steampunk, the pizza theme established in this episode did not extend throughout the entire mystery. In fact, there's about a 30-minute chunk in this episode where there's nothing even mentioned about pizza, with the mystery going off in a direction that focused on the murdered reporter's quest to bring in a mysterious drug lord named Cavallo that orchestrated his daughter's murder in a hit-and-run accident. Again, I don't know if the writers of this episode felt that they could not fill up a 43-minute episode with a story about rivaling pizza joints, but I thought it was kind of different that they moved away from this theme of the pizza wars when they would normally run wild with it. Another interesting thing that occurred with this week's mystery was once Beckett declared that Cavallo, this big bad drug leader who worked in the shadows, was an urban myth, I thought that's the last we were going to hear about it. And the reporter's murder was going to have something to do with his romantic relationship with a real estate agent going south. But believe it or not, as Castle and Beckett chased down the facts, it is revealed that Cavallo was actually real. Meanwhile, while all the mystery solving is going on, 
Alexis contends with the troublesome girl at school, named Lauren, which tied in nicely with this week's investigation, because the reporter, a writer who Castle admired, sacrificing himself to bring his daughter's murder to justice, made Castle take a good hard look at how far he is willing to go to protect Alexis, as well as the concept of revenge. At the same time, even though it was extremely hard on Castle to not step in and resolve Alexis's conflict, it gave him the right words to say when Alexis comes home, revealing that she got in a pretty vicious fight with Lauren. But I loved it how, in telling her to do the right thing, Castle still managed to commend Alexis for... Did you kick her ass? I kind of did. Good girl. On that note, I did think that the whole thing with Lauren going on stage and kissing Alexis's boyfriend Ashley in front of a band and posting pictures of it on Facebook was a little extreme, or Lauren watches way too much Gossip Girl. But regardless of this, I love the scene it set up of Beckett almost catching Castle and Ryan abusing police resources to delete the Facebook pictures. And I could have my friend Tony take care of it, you know, off the record. Thanks. And, uh, no need to mention this to Beckett, you know how she gets with these things. <laughs> things like abusing police resources for your own personal agenda? What? That's ridiculous. No, you don't... I, no, that's... that's. So, uh... Moving forward, the mystery manages the segue back to the theme of rivaling pizza joints, as is revealed that one of the pizzeria owners is smuggling drugs for Cavallo. Under a code system revolving around the names of the main characters in 1940s film noir movies. At this point, I felt that this is where the story kind of got on the corny side, with Beckett and Castle dropping Humphrey Bogart's character's name in the Maltese Falcon of Sam Spade. Harry, what is it? The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And the employee working the counter at the pizzeria, just handing them a pizza box filled with cocaine. I mean, I thought that the whole thing with the film noir characters' names was kind of cool. But Beckett and Castle blowing open a drug operation by just nonchalantly ordering them at a pizza place just seemed a little bit far-fetched. Because I would think the guy working the counter at the pizzeria would realize that they were not crackheads, simply by the way that they were dressed. The good news is... Even with this far-fetched way of blowing open a drug ring, the writers did not blow the farm on this episode, by it being shockingly revealed that the guy Beckett caught at the end of the episode, under the pretense that he was Cavallo, was only the right-hand man, and the real Cavallo was the real estate agent, who wasn't a former lover of the reporter, but rather a classic femme fatale. Although, despite the fact that she gets dangerously close to getting away, like that pesky triple killer, Beckett at the last second realizes that the real estate agent is Cavallo that stops her just before she goes down the elevator. So with that, now knowing that you can't pull the same trick on Detective Kate Beckett twice, yes, I'm talking to you, triple killer. Nika, what were your thoughts on Castle? Dan, this week's Castle was everything I was looking for last week and didn't get. It was fun, the mystery was well done, the whole Kaiser Soze-like drug dealer character. Yes. It all worked in within the castle's show's framework. I really liked the idea of the down-on-his-luck reporter that lost everything following his white whale being vindicated by Castle and Beckett when they are able to find his killer, who just so happens to also be his Moby Dick-sized Kaiser Soze, or in this case, Cavallo. Now, I love the code they used for selling drugs out of the pizza place. Using the names of classic noir characters was awesome. And a shout-out to the fact that Castle and Beckett are kind of a modern-day example of those noir characters and that made those movies such a hit. Now, your concerns about the pizza guy giving the drugs to Castle and Beckett, first, the people picking up that large quantity of drugs are not the users. They're the distributors. So they're the bosses of the guys who are standing on the corner selling drugs. Okay. So Castle's about right for that kind of character. He, you know, he's rich looking. He's got money. He's well dressed. Also, the drug was heroin, not cocaine. 
Thank you. Yeah, cocaine is white. Yeah, cocaine is white, heroin's brown. But regardless, I didn't see this situation as a problem. I thought it was actually pretty plausible. So okay. I really loved that part of the story. You know, I, I always think of a drug dealer as, you know, this might be because I read too many comic books, is the guy with the spiky hair and the earrings and, you know, the rough-looking customer. Yeah, those are the pushers or the on-the-street dealers. The distributors and the, the kingpin guys, those are much more... Like, Cavallo was the kingpin and right. the U.S. distributor. So she got all the drugs into the States and then got it to her local distributors who are like middle management. And then you got the guys on the street who are the dealers or the pushers. So... Yeah, Castle could easily have looked like one of these guys, especially if they're smart drug ring like this one probably was to be doing this because those guys don't use their own product. That's where drug dealers right. in the movies always get into trouble is when they start using their own product. The other and getting thing, back to this. Oh, well, go ahead. The other thing I was going to say real quick about it is that stereotype that I mentioned before of me thinking that the drug dealers that, you know, rough customer guy I think the writers realized that by making that Harley guy as the fall guy. Yeah, he was a very classic idea of what you, you were thinking, I right. think. And so that was a great ploy on the writer's part to get us going that way. We right. felt like he was he was almost pulling a Kaiser Sose of his own, pretending to be just the right-hand man and then having them finger him as the main guy was still protecting his boss right and so that was kind of cool too mm, now the femme fatale almost getting away was really great and yes. for beckett to spoil it at the last minute by figuring it all out was a perfect ending to this episode i thought it was just great and agree with you the you can't fool beckett twice with the same yeah. trick and I thought that was really well done by the writers, you know. And it was like just as the that classic TV and movie thing, the, the elevator right. doors are just about to shut, and the hand slides through. And so that was actually really cool. It had to be back at the catcher anyway. Oh yeah, because it tells us that yes, Castle is a show that falls back to the old detective movies, but also is capable of evolving with the times, with that stereotype, by having Beckett be the hero female cop, who has the ability to overcome a femme fatale, unlike a male protagonist. Yeah. Now, finally, my last point. I have some spoilerish info. So if you don't want to hear anything about the finale, please skip forward a few seconds. Alrighty. Okay, here it goes. According to TVLine.com and the official Castle Facebook page, the season finale will also be one of the main characters' final episode. Oh the author is sworn. Lord. Yeah, the author is sworn to secrecy, but says it's someone who's been with the series since the beginning. So, with that being said, my guess is that this means that it is possibly Ryan. Because of all the character development they have spent on Laney and Esposito. Oh, However, man. it could just as easily be one of those two since it would have the most impact if it were Laney. Because then it would have both Beckett and Esposito. So, you know, it could be any combination of those three. We know that Castle and Beckett are safe, obviously. It could be Alexis, which would be heartbreaking. No, you're not going to do that. It could be Martha, which That's a would be, yeah, would be sad, but would be a possible. So I think it's really those four characters. The, that the have, captain is a possibility as well. Yeah, the captain is, but that would be less of an impact, I think. Yeah. So if you you could get away with that, but Martha would be big because it's Castle's mom and it's his go-to at home. Alexis would be heartbreaking, as I said, just because that relationship is so great though she is an up-and-coming actress so she might have all kinds of offers coming her way yeah. to go elsewhere and maybe get a higher screen time on another show now so, do we know that it's a death yes okay the actual article says something about the grim reaper makes a 
an appearance. Oh, man. So, yeah, we do know that it is a death. Well, it's got to be somebody that's going to mess up Castle and Beckett getting together. There's got, it's got to be a monkey wrench. Yeah, because they are heading that way fast. Even though yep. she's still with Josh and um, he's single at the moment, every episode they have those couple nice moments where you kind of see that one of them is thinking about it at that moment. Like we saw Castle all alone walking, riding down the elevator. And another one, we see Beckett give him a look and just kind of, just, you kind of know what's going through her head right. just from the context before and then the look she gives him. Just great acting on the part of Sonic Eye. So, yeah, they're moving that way fast, even though it's not perfect setup. So something has to happen, like you said. Well, Monkey and, Wrench has to appear. And that's one of the few ways you can top a nuclear bomb is killing off a major character. Yes. That'll get people to watch. So I commend them for that. Again, I'm sad okay. to see someone go, though. Absolutely. We, we like all these characters. All that this actually really ensures, the only thing we can be 100% sure about is that we're going to have an amazingly action-packed season finale now. Yes. And I got one word for that. Nice. Yeah, I was hoping for it. I was hoping we'd get a big finale. I was like, what are they going to do? It seems to be slowing down right now. They've got to pick it up. Because it's too good to end like the last season did. Because the previous season, it was kind of like we had that big two-parter, and then it kind of tapered off at the end. Mm-hmm. And this season, they can't afford to do that because it's gained so much momentum this year. Yeah, well, they, the end of last season was good because we thought they were getting real close yeah. and then they stabbed us in the heart. Just stabbed us in the heart. So Right, and they were in a different place at that time. Yeah. They could get away with a finale like that at that time. But now it's like they've got to do something big now. Gotta get season three, that's normally when that happens. Yeah, you're right about that. And the other question is who's gonna be the murderer? That could be crazy. We might get a reoccurring villain out of that. I'm thinking it's gonna be the triple killer. I wouldn't put it past them. That would be a great and they won't catch him. No, they're not gonna catch him. No. Uh-huh. They, they're gonna he's gonna get away with it and it's gonna eat everybody on the team. Can I say that the terms yin and yang come to mind <laughs> when it comes to triple killer? Yeah. Because yeah. he gets away. Absolutely. And that's my um, reference for the week. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't know if all of our listeners are. But, no, it definitely it would be amazing. Or if they're solving another case and the ending of the show is where that death happens. So oh we my. go all summer with the shock and don't don't have even a chance to start solving it before they go on break. And then that gives us a huge, huge premiere next oh, yeah. uh, season as well so i think that would be a great way to, to finish this season start next season and keep well, it us create, it create a lot of buzz at comic-con yeah we'll be talking all summer about it and definitely if and when they go to comic-con again they will have the whole place of buzz yes yeah i wish them well with all that but about this episode what did you think of the alexis plotline because I know you've been really harping that they should bring her back in more. Well, it was good to see her two weeks in a row have a storyline yeah. that kind of paralleled what was going on in Castle. That's what we really like about her story arcs. Right. Are that Castle dealing with Alexis is always an opportunity for him to learn something that ultimately helps him to right. solve the case. So I did like that aspect. It was a little, you know... It's been, dare I say, 11 years since I went to high school, so yeah. I'm not exactly sure how high school is now, but this isn't all that far-fetched from what I remember high school being. No. So, <laughs> Yeah, again, I, I had to remind myself that these people that go to Alexis's school probably have a lot of money. Yes. And so there's a whole other aspect to this that I wasn't even realizing, so... That makes sense. I like this plot line with her this week better than the one last week, though. Okay, yeah, I know you didn't really get the idea of why she was hanging out with those girls who right. were shoplifting. And I think what it is is that, like you said, they're a rich crowd. And yeah. so 
they don't get the same excitement out of things because a lot of them are probably spoiled. Castle's really good about right. not spoiling Alexis. And so some of the some of her classmates who probably were good kids are now getting some right. massive allowances and just don't have, know what to do with it because they have they can get whatever they want because they have so much money. And so, like, to get a thrill, those girls were shoplifting. Not because they needed it. or It's like, why did Winona Ryder shoplift? Right. She had tons of money. No, it was for the thrill or for the getting away with it sort of thing. So, because right. Alexis is such a better person or is such a great person, she felt bad. And that's why she went back and paid for the stuff. She couldn't live with herself having done the crime. So, she made restitution which you know just shows the the strength of character of her so i didn't mind last week's storyline i thought it was good in that aspect i don't want to say last week's was bad i just like this one better that that's mainly where i was coming from they were both fine and they did what they needed to do in the episode i just like this one a little bit better okay yeah and i think it made the whole hit and run thing with the reporter a lot more powerful and okay. so that's where I was coming from with that. But that's all I've got to say about this. I mean, it was a really solid episode. It was fun and upbeat and got you attached to the episode at the beginning. And then it hit you with the drama, and it handled that pretty good. And then it went back up to positive and exciting at the end. So all around, solid episode. Can't wait to see where this thing is going next because it's good. I mean, it's good every week. And now with the season finale buildup coming on, it's going to be even better. It's going to be good. The end of this season is really got me excited. Yes, me too. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to talk about it on the show as well. So, was there anything else on your end with uh, Castle? Or are we good? No, I'm good. I uh, hit all the high points. Okay, very good. Well, with that, we're going to move on to a show that's got its groove back. To be honest, they had a weak beginning. The second half of the season has been outstanding. So we're going to talk about this great show called Bones, with the episode The Feet on the Beach. Brennan teams up with a Canadian forensic podiatrist to determine the identity of the real victim after seven pairs of feet are found washed up on the U.S.-Canadian border. But six pairs turn out to belong to research. Elsewhere, Cam crosses a major boundary when she takes away Michelle's right to choose her own college. As you may have already guessed, this week's Bones was all about identifying a murder victim from a pair of severed feet. And no, Quentin Tarantino did not direct this episode. But the writers did decide to bring in a Canadian forensic podiatrist or foot doctor named Dr. Douglas Fillmore. Yes, I am merely a board-certified podiatrist who assists law enforcement professionals by providing sound podiatric analysis to forensic investigation. But I thank you for correcting me, Dr. Brennan. Through this interesting scientific event of a bunch of cadavers, which included the murder victim being washed out of a university body farm and across the Canadian border. Focusing in on Dr. Fillmore... I would say the best way to describe him is a cross between this show's beloved intern, Zach, and TV's favorite defective detective, Adrian Monk, because it is quickly established that he doesn't deal well with conflict, based on him losing full functionality of his right arm due to reading an article written by Bones that completely discredited his status as a forensic podiatrist. At the same time, and I'm not sure if you got this vibe as well, Nico, but a lot of attention in this episode was drawn towards Dr. Fillmore. Almost like in Season 3, where Sweets went from reoccurring character to main cast member. Because it seemed like the writers of this episode made a point for Dr. Fillmore to have a scene with every single one of the main characters. So I'm wondering if he is going to be added to the cast next season, or at least be back again. But that being said, the emphasis on Dr. Fillmore might have just been to sway things away from the plotline of Cam trying to force her daughter Michelle into going to Columbia University, which was kind of a snore for us the first time around. But it did give us a fun scene where Angela tells Hodgins 
that he can only make a disapproving face at Cam when a male mix-up causes him to discover what she did behind her daughter's back. Do you have something to say about this? Angela says no. But this is a disapproving look. Plus, I loved how Sweets handled the scene when Cam jumped out his throat for thinking it was wrong for her to cheat Michelle's way into Columbia University just to be a protective mother. Although Cam gets a taste of her own medicine when Michelle rips up her acceptance letter to Columbia and says she's going to work for a year to make her own way into the school. Speaking of sweets, not only did he help Cam with her personal issues, but he also helped Dr. Fillmore deal with Bones' criticism of his work. And I thought it was pretty slick on how Sweets established a connection with Dr. Fillmore based on the premise of Bones trying to discredit their careers. And as for Bones, the realization that she needed to apologize to Dr. Fillmore for her comments about his work did not come from Sweets, but Booth, as he basically conveys to Bones that he knows deep down she is a good person. But for them to basically be together, she needs to show that to others. However, this advice did not come before a sequence that was absolute comedic gold, as Bones and Booth visit the body farm, which was the site of this week's murder, causing Booth to gross out at all the cadavers they have just lying around. Wow, isn't this amazing? No, and that is nasty. And one even goes to the extent of exploding, making Bones react like she's in Disneyland, and Booth just simply wanting to throw up. <laughs> Fantastic! Whoa, that smell. Finally, in the last scene of the episode, Bones and Dr. Fillmore, with Sweets watching in the background, make amends. But just as Sweets is about to pat himself on the back for a psychiatric job well done, we get a classic Sweets backfire as his attempt to prove to Dr. Fillmore that he has regained movement of his arm causes Sweets to clunk poor Dr. Fillmore right in the middle of his forehead with a metallic Petri dish. Oh! Oh no, I'm Please, so sorry! Well, no, I thought his arm would work! I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been in the way. I, no, I'm fine. So now that we know the universe is back in balance with Sweet's great psychiatric work being met with a good old-fashioned backfire, what were your thoughts on this really enjoyable episode of Bones, Nico? Bones this week was not anything special, but it was a solid return from a few weeks off. I think the podiatrist was well-played and delightfully awkward. The only change in the description of him that I would make from what you said would be that I would say that he is one part Zach, one part Monk, same as you said, and one part Sir Nigel Murray because he was a huge repository of foot facts that is and true. other scientific knowledge too, but mostly foot facts. But remember, he wasn't a podophile. I don't mean to imply that I'm a podophile. Excuse me? Foot fetishist. You know, although I appreciate the beauty of feet and the intricate nature of their constructions. I have no desire to, to lick them or paint them. Or okay, s- that's okay. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> because he may, yeah, he makes sure to mention that he enjoys a well-formed foot, but does not have a foot fetish. <laughs> now, unfortunately, I knew who the killer was this week the minute I saw the actor that played the intern at the university, because I've seen him as a guest star on so many other shows before, so I suspected him very early on, and nothing really dissuaded me away from that throughout the whole series events, so I was pretty sure it was him from about the first second I saw him. Also, I think he was a murderer on Castle. uh, Was it Castle that we've seen him on? Something. Yeah, it's definitely something. I know I've seen him on multiple shows. That's why I'm struggling to place exactly which of our ATA shows I've seen him on. So, yeah, that kind of ruined the mystery for me this yeah. week. And that's the problem when you watch so many hours of television every week. There's only so many actors out there. Now, the one thing that I didn't really like about this episode, other than knowing the killer right away, was the way that everyone seemed to be super nice to the podiatrist and were almost patronizingly protective of him because of the harsh way in which Bones treated his life work and caused him to have that psychosomatic paralysis of his right arm. 
Now, your explanation of maybe he could be a re- recurring character, not necessarily a full-time character, but a right. recurring character, that's definitely a great explanation of this. I just didn't like it. It was like everybody on the team was taking his side or wanted to make sure that he was okay when Bones didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah, she was harsh, and she criticized his work, but scientific peer criticism and peer review is like that, you know? It's not buddy-buddy. You have to say what you mean and not mince words and try and spare the people's feelings because if, if it was a research paper on cancer drug that just does not work but people are using it as evidence and are using that to continue trials and waste millions or billions of dollars and you've already have evidence that refutes their claims you have to get that out there otherwise lives could be in jeopardy so the scientific community polices itself and to do that they have to be honest they have to be able to write in there without worry of the feelings of the other authors and I thought it was like non-scientists looking from the outside in and criticizing the scientific community or, or you know, not understanding the community and making it into a mushy kind of weak plot line. The only argument I would say to that is Angela is not technically a scientist and neither is Sweets. So I can see well, why they would doctor. be that way. Hodgins, the way he reacted to the doctor didn't make any sense. Sweets is a scientist in a sense because he is a doctor, and right. I don't know if he's a PhD or an MD. They haven't really whether he's right. a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And either way, he had to go through years of well, no, as a right. psychiatrist, an MD, he would have to have gone through years and years of science. If he was uh, a psychologist, he'd have less. But they still have like have to do all the brain science and all the things of that nature. So he would have a scientific basis plus to be able to understand all the medical literature and things of that nature, he'd have to have a strong science background. So he definitely is. But even at it as if he weren't a scientist, it doesn't make sense that all the other characters would have reacted that way. It did provide some comic relief, and that's what it was for. So it was just one of the things I didn't care for in this episode. But I I would say... His paralysis... Oh, go ahead. I, what I was going to say, but I liked what it did with Booth and Bones, that scene they had in the car. where he That was a great scene. Yeah. That set up a scene. great scene. It did. And that line he had, I know you're a good person, but other people need to know. And that was so great. Yes. And you're absolutely right. that It does imply that for them to get together, she needs to be open like that and able to recognize when... She might be scientifically right, but socially wrong. Right. So it worked from um, that aspect. Yes. Now, his paralysis was completely in his head. And my problem with it was that it would take longer to resolve. Once the emotional block was gone, it wouldn't be instantaneous. In the show, they resolved it in a mere seconds. Even though Sweets threw it and he, could, he didn't move it and it smacked him in the face and then he could move his arm. I thought it would take, should have taken longer. But hey, it's TV and it's supposed to be cheesy like that sometimes. Right. And you, you have to, again, their thought process is that you have to resolve the plot line. Yeah, you do. That's their main objective and sometimes you have to stretch the truth is the main thing about that. But yeah, I appreciate you saying the real scientific fact about these things too and so our listeners can learn as well yeah overall though it was a good return from the short hiatus and hopefully we're going to get some great episodes even better than this one to lead up to the finale i'm assuming that this was the tip of the iceberg yeah this was just getting us started yeah i think and the body farm was really cool yes and that scene Um, was well done too now i don't know if there's actually a body farm up in northern new york I know the main one that is really famous in the forensic field is the one at the University of Tennessee, and that one's known worldwide. Being, I don't know if it was the first, but it's definitely the most well-known. And a lot of people wait their entire career for a chance to go and study at the body farm. So, Which would explain that was kind of cool. excitement. Yeah, exactly. That was well-played <laughs> on her part. And Booth just reacting to the exploding body was just outstanding. Yeah. So, yeah, that really worked. 
Well, again, as for the show coming down the pipe, I think we'll get more Sniper. Mm-hmm. I hope they don't resolve it at the end of the season. Yeah, that's going to probably come down to the business side, whether they strike a financial deal with the actor. or if It also could come down to how they want to finish the storyline. Because you and I are predicting possibly next season being the end. Maybe two more, but highly unlikely that it's more likely that next season's the last one. With the spinoff coming, yes. Yeah, that's what we discussed two weeks ago a little bit. I'm interested to see how that episode's going to work. They're going to do that spinoff crossover episode, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not sure when it's coming. It's coming soon. Right. It should be just saw the feet on the beach. The upcoming week, the truth of the in the myth is going to be uh, the one right before. And then the 19th episode on April 21st will be the spinoff episode. It's called The Finder. Okay. And so, also, Michael Clark Duncan got picked up to be on that spinoff. So that's okay. a pretty legit actor as well to be on the show. Yes, and the main actor, Jeff, oh, what's his last name? Uh, but he's well known. He was in a show called Jack and Jill. He was in... Uh, Another show, it's a different guy than Jack and Jill, I'm sorry. He was in October Road and a couple other things before that, but October Road was his last major thing before. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was in the one last year, um, the mystery one with Amy Acker and the question mark. Uh, you know what Happy I'm talking Town. about? Happy Town. Yeah, that yes. was his last one before Before that was October Road. But, yeah, Happy Town was his last major thing, and so he's going to be the main uh, star of that show, yeah. and it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. This is gonna. We're gonna have a good episode, uh, number nineteen of this season. It's gonna be interesting. I heard that the thing about it is the connection between him and Booth and Bones is gonna be very interesting. Well, he's a former uh, military man, so Booth and him will have that in common. But he's also a I believe he's a former MP, so a military police. So he and Booth might have a little headbutt in there, too. I am but yet, some emotions are going to get mixed up into that, too. Well, he's an attractive man, so it's yeah. going to be some probably physical attraction between him and Dr. Bone, or Bones, Dr. Brennan. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I think it'll be a lot of fun, though. I agree. So was there anything else about this episode you wanted to bring up? Uh, you know, I hit everything that was on my list. Yeah, I do too. Again, it was just an enjoyable episode. Great way to set up the rest of the season. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen with this and our other sh- favorite shows as they lead into their series finale. And again, that's all going to start next week. So with this closing, Nico, do you want to tell everyone what we've got coming up next week? Sure. On next week's episode, we will finally be back to a full slate of reviewing all our favorite shows. Chuck. Castle, Bones, Fringe, Supernatural, and the final five episodes of Smallville. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Boo-hoo, but yeah, you know. I'm excited and sad at the same time. I hardly remember what's going on in Smallville. I almost have to go back and watch a couple episodes just to get caught up. It's been so long. Yeah, I hope they give us a recap or something. They have to. <laughs> Seven weeks, five weeks, what was it? <laughs> Some crazy yes. number like it, that. <laughs> it's insane. But I heard it's going to be totally worth it. So we're just going to That's go good. with that. We're going to be cool. So with that, speaking of getting a recap on things, I need to get caught up on How I Met Your Mother because I'm still going to mention that segment, but I haven't done it in a while. So you can check that out on Twitter, our previous ones, about lessons I've learned from watching that show or from the great Barney Stetson. And we also have Psych Thoughts which are trickling on and off on our Twitter page. And that's an episode-by-episode summary on Psych as I watch every episode of the series and try to get caught up. So check those out on our Twitter and Facebook. Also, if you want to contact us with your response to the questions that are needed to help us pull off our live show or just want to talk to us about our favorite shows, our predictions for the future or our thoughts on season finales for particular shows, you can visit our website at www.acrosstheairways.com. There you can access our email. 
at acrossairways at gmail.com. You can also visit our Twitter page, which is Across Airways. There's no the, it's just Across Airways. You can like our Facebook page by clicking the like button on our website. And there you can get all of Nico's TV news findings, as well as see some of the trailers and videos that he's been able to track down during his weekly internet surfing. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel, which has all sorts of promos and videos for upcoming movies, TV shows, as well as ATA events. Again, Michael's editing software crashed, so he's kind of unable to put up videos right now. But hopefully he'll get that worked out, and we'll have some videos for our Superman live show coming up as soon as possible. Also, if you want to, you you can leave us a voicemail. And what's that number, Nico? 773-809-3363. And also, if you don't want to go back and listen to this section of the podcast again to get all that information, you can easily contact our site by downloading our Android app in the Android Marketplace. And you can also access a link to our app on the right-hand side of our webpage. So check that out. It's a great way to access us. And you can listen to all our podcast episodes on your phone. So with that, once again, for our Brain Trust member and editor, Michael J. Petty, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Reifstead. And until next week, we'll catch you on the airwaves. Have a great week, everybody. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.